Hey, I'm Jenna Wolf, certified lactation counselor, parent coach, and extended breastfeeding mom of two. I fully understand the unique challenges of breastfeeding beyond the baby days, and I'm here to take your hand and support you along your journey. So toss that hair in a messy bun, grab a basket of laundry to fold, and let's get started. This is Start to Stop Toddler Breastfeeding. Today's episode, I want to talk about on-demand breastfeeding and when to stop on-demand breastfeeding. It's not something you necessarily think about when you begin on-demand breastfeeding, but eventually you hit that stage and I'm sure many of you listening understand and have been there and probably have asked this question or are currently asking this question yourself. And that is, when do I stop breastfeeding on-demand? I could give you a super simple answer, and if you Google it, you're going to find some super simple answers where they just give you it an age. This is when you stop breastfeeding on demand. But if you Google and you look at more than one page, you're going to find that age uh, changes. <laughs> Not everyone agrees. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what the typical standard advice is, but I want to provide you with a little more context as we move into this conversation, because it seems pretty clear cut, right? You were told to breastfeed on demand when you had a newborn. So it makes sense that there would just be an age where it's like, okay, now stop that, right? Or a particular way that you stop that. Uh, especially with the prescriptive way that we're told to breastfeed on demand, right? It's so important that we breastfeed on demand. So it seems like there would just be an age where it's no longer important. And that's that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's just start to get everyone on the same page with what on-demand breastfeeding is. Now, if you Google it, you will find a few different definitions, and some people will lump words together like baby-led breastfeeding, that kind of stuff. But ultimately, on-demand breastfeeding comes down to the fact that you are breastfeeding looking at your baby's cues and not looking at a clock, right? On-demand breastfeeding is the opposite of scheduled breastfeeding. If you are living in the modern world, on-demand is probably a word you hear a lot these days, right? On-demand streaming. We talk about this with TV, right? And entertainment, things that you can access on-demand. You don't have to wait for them on a schedule. You can sit down, press a button, and it's right there. That's really what on-demand breastfeeding is. This idea that when your child asks for it, when your newborn wants it, you give it to them. Automatically, it's unrestricted access to breast milk at the breast. So it's really about baby-led feeding both in frequency and duration. And the reason why we're told to breastfeed on demand is because breastfeeding on demand supports supply and demand, right? It ensures that your breast milk supply, your production of breast milk matches your baby's needs for breast milk. Okay, so you can go back to uh, my episode on milk supply and how that works. And I, I share a little bit more about the timeline for that and how your supply regulates and all those fun details. Uh, but for this purposes, what you just need to know is that if you are removing milk at the exact rate and volume that your child is consuming, then it's extremely likely that you are going to continue to produce milk at that exact uh, like perfect amount, which means that you're not going to have an oversupply with risks of you know mastitis and overactive letdowns and all that kind of stuff, or an undersupply where you're not producing as much milk as your baby is drinking. 
And and that's great. We're it's it's pushed so hard on demand feeding because it's combating messages about scheduled feeding. So scheduled feeding wasn't really a thing until the late 1800s, early 1900s, because, well, mostly the early 1900s, but uh, because there was really high infant mortality rates happening in the Western world. And there's a huge, so much history here that I'm not really going to get into, but it's super fascinating. And maybe I'll talk about it one day. Um, But essentially, governments were realizing had really high infant mortality rates and they needed to do something about it. And unfortunately, there's a lot of racism mixed up in there. Uh, They wanted to make sure that white babies weren't dying, essentially, unfortunately. Um, And they began to push the idea that parents were perhaps causing the infant mortality rates by being uneducated and not understanding uh, the science of feeding their child. And this really led to an era where scheduled feeding became the norm. And this was prescriptive, like it was prescribed essentially by doctors. Doctors were telling parents exactly when and how much to feed their newborns. And um, it was really fear-driven in a lot of ways and ultimately undermining any instinct that the parent has, right? Any intuition that the parent has. And they kind of had to shame the parents and make them feel really terrible in order to get them to a place where they would accept this kind of information. But then parents felt like they were being very, um, you know, posh, for lack of a better word. They were very in the know by schedule feeding their child. And ultimately, it was eventually understood that this was not healthy for the parent or the child, like for milk supply and all that kind of stuff. And of course, there's so much history and so many things that happened in that time. But somewhere around the mid 20th century, being more baby led really uh, became more of the norm again, right? The problem is, is even now in 2023, we still have the impacts of that scheduled feeding and the philosophies around, um, you know, behavioralism, which was popular at the time in the 1920s, which really said that all behaviors that humans have, which included infants, uh, was learned essentially because of positive and negative reinforcements and punishments, right? So, rewards and punishment. So a child's being rewarded with breast milk, so that's going to create their behaviors. And it, it wasn't until we learned more about attachment and breastfeeding physiology and all those things that we understood that actually there's a lot of reasons why a child breastfeeds. And it's not just because the milk tastes good and it's a reward. Uh, they actually have innate drives for these things, and there's a reason why that's there. So we still have this Uh, narrative around scheduled feeding and sometimes like fears around our child being too clingy or breastfeeding them too much that we might, uh, you know, make a rod for our own back or cause our child to be too dependent or too clingy. You might have heard those kinds of words before and maybe had those fears yourself internally. I know I absolutely have had those fears myself. They pop up. So it's become very intentional that people who are supporting breastfeeding families talk about breastfeeding their child on demand. And really, I don't know the whole etymology of the word um, demand in this context, but if we're talking about supply and demand, it makes sense that we would use the word demand to talk about the way that a child is feeding. So 
We hear breastfeed on demand a ton. The reality is, though, is that using the phrase breastfeeding on demand is problematic, at least from my perspective. And and I see how it can affect the breastfeeding relationship. So I'm going to talk about three different ways that I kind of see some problems with the concept of on-demand feeding and the word on-demand feeding. And one is that it really removes the parent from the equation. Now, I, I understand that like ideally that's not the case, and I don't think that's always the intention, but in practice, this this often becomes the case where we lose the dyadic aspects of a breastfeeding relationship or the, the fact that there's two parties here having a conversation and communicating with each other in the breastfeeding relationship. A lot of times we understand that a baby has the need to have milk when they need it, right? <laughs> and we can grasp that. But then the parent who's breastfeeding becomes more passive in this equation. You can think about it like I was talking about on-demand TV, right? The TV doesn't have any feelings. The TV's experience doesn't really matter. You just press a button and the show comes on. We can set ourselves up with that kind of mindset when we're talking about on-demand breastfeeding. And I see it a lot of times with parents breastfeeding newborns, right? Their needs become very, very secondary. And it's just about giving that child the milk whenever they like, whenever they demand for it, right? Uh Another problem that I see come up with on-demand breastfeeding is that parents often interpret that phrase on-demand to mean that they need to wait until their child is demanding to breastfeed in order to breastfeed them. And again, I think that there can be some of those remnants of behavioralism in there, the idea that like, oh, well, we don't want to breastfeed them too early because then they might get used to breastfeeding all the time, right? Uh, we can have some fears that can be there. But a lot of times it's just because parents don't actually understand hunger cues. And a lot of times parents will be looking for rooting or crying or sucking on their hands, which are absolutely hunger cues, but they're a little bit more later hunger cues. They're not necessarily the earliest hunger cues where a child just might be a little bit more active, like a, new, a newborn might be a little more active. And if you're waiting until your child is demanding to be breastfed, then you might get less feeds in a 24-hour period, which can result in lower milk supply and potentially weight gain issues. Uh, but also, you might have a hangry baby <laughs> on your hands, and a hangry baby can be tougher to latch and just really adds stress to the whole experience. And a lot of times, parents are already feeling quite stressed out <laughs> in that time. So the first problem was that it kind of removes parents from the equation. Second is that parents can often interpret the demand aspect as really waiting for their child to be demanding. And then the third is that it really sets us up for the mindset that our children are demanding of us when they ask to breastfeed. Um, I've, you know, hear all the time from moms with one-year-olds, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds breastfeeding that their child is demanding to breastfeed. And it sets you up with this idea that you either have to just give in and give the child the breast milk, you know, they're demanding it. So it's just, they must need it. I must give it to them or suffer through this massive tantrum that's going to unfold. And I find you know, especially in my group coaching program, that sometimes we just do a little mindset work around, well, is your child demanding to be breastfed? And I know that we can talk about like the actual behaviors where we could label their screams as demands, right? But if we take a peek into the child's why, why is the child doing that? Uh, and it turns out that perhaps, or at least we can entertain the fact that maybe uh, the child is doing it 
very earnestly or they're really struggling too. And it's not so much about trying to be manipulative or demanding. They just want their way. Maybe there's something else going on there. A lot of times compassion comes up for the parent and it shifts things in the dynamic and everyone feels a ton of relief (laughs) just from that little mindset shift of moving away from the idea that your child is demanding of you. It's kind of interesting that we use this word, right, on-demand breastfeeding to talk about breastfeeding in those early days. And then a lot of times what parents will come to me with is like the the problem that they're feeling in the breastfeeding relationship in toddlerhood now is that their child is too demanding. <laughs> and so, and, and that can also lead to feelings of losing your bodily autonomy, right? I'm being demanded of. It's being taken from me. This milk is being sucked out of me. It's being, you know, I don't have a choice in this matter. I am, um, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, we start to feel like a victim to our child, that they really have all the reins here. And that's because early on, right, in the early breastfeeding relationship, that's how we viewed things is they needed to have the reins. They needed to have complete control over the breastfeeding experience. And, you know, with feelings of losing bodily autonomy, that can also intensify feelings of nursing aversion too, which is that skin crawling feeling when our child latches, that kind of stuff. So when should you stop breastfeeding on demand? The conventional wisdom, this is the traditional advice, is to either never, you never stop breastfeeding on demand because if you look at, you know, lots of things, they just, they just don't really give any guidance. They say you should breastfeed on demand and then that's it. (laughs) That's all you hear. Or uh, another piece of wisdom that you might hear is that when your child starts solid foods at about six months. So you're continuing to breastfeed after that, but now you're on this schedule and solid foods are becoming more and more the predominant or primary source of nutrition. And then lastly, you might hear 12 months because it's typically thought of and understood that breast milk needs to be, or formula, need to be the primary source of nutrition for those first 12 months. And so after that, when breast milk is no longer considered this primary source of nutrition, then that's when you stop breastfeeding on demand because breast milk, you know, it's it's no longer really serving that big purpose, right? The problem with these things is that, well, first of all, nobody tells you how. <laughs> how do you stop breastfeeding on demand? Um, but also, if the advice is never, <laughs> never stop breastfeeding on demand, then you feel like you just spend years giving your body away to another human whenever they want. And it can feel exhausting. And eventually it leads to feelings of resentment and hopelessness. And yeah, it's just a hard place to be in. And then of course, your negative experience around be- breastfeeding can can contribute to your child wanting to breastfeed even more. And that's something I talk about with the toddler breastfeeding stress cycle, right? Well, it leaves you feeling burnt out at the end of the day. But for the ones that give actual dates, like six months or 12 months, they're really assuming that breast milk needs to become secondary to solid foods at this particular date. It's like this date comes and this is the date when breast milk is no longer required, right? The reality is, is we can't pinpoint a specific moment when guaranteed for every human breastfeeding must take a backseat in regards to nutrition. Because for every kid, that's really different. It's a different journey. And breast milk continues to provide important nutrition, important um, 
immunological support, it supports healthy oral development, and it continues to foster a healthy attachment with the caregiver for as long as it's being given. So there's never a point where breast milk, quote, turns to water. And there's never a point where it's just a fancy drink that your your child's getting. It's always serving a really important role as long as it's being given. And if you are struggling with the feeling of your child is preferring breast milk to solid foods and you think that they should be having solid foods by, by now, consider the fact that it's possible your child might be struggling to eat solid foods for some reason and breast milk is filling in a nutritional gap, in which case removing breast milk doesn't necessarily mean that your child's going to eat more solid foods. That's important to consider. Giving this hard and fast date of like now's the time when you're no longer breastfeeding on demand, it, it doesn't really serve a, a, a real purpose. It just It's arbitrary. Uh, so what do I recommend <laughs> or suggest instead? I suggest that you you never actually breastfeed on demand. I know, it's controversial. <laughs> but my suggestion to you would be to responsively breastfeed instead. And this is something that you can be doing from birth or wherever you're at in your breastfeeding relationship. You can start right now. You don't ever need to stop responsively breastfeeding. It's not something that is a start and stop. It's something that transitions into responsively meeting needs in other ways. I define responsive feeding as responding to your child's communication. So yeah, their needs are still important. Their needs get to be met and so do yours. In this relationship now, you are empowered you are an active participant in the breastfeeding relationship. So you are reading and interpreting your child's cues and then responding to them. And yeah, most of the time, especially as a newborn, that's going to be breastfeeding directly at the breast. But this means that if you've got a tongue tie, if you've got separation, maternal separation, if you're even just choosing to add in formula for whatever reason or formally feed from the beginning, you can still responsibly feed your child, right? Because it is, it is never one size fits all, right? And if you are in a situation where you're combo feeding and you're, you know, working through health issues or whatever's happening, you can still responsibly feed, right? It's it, like the on-demand aspect is, is still there. But when we transition to responsive feeding, now it means that somebody else might be giving a bottle. But you can also understand your needs too, and that your supply needs to be regulated. So that means you're going to be pumping during that time that your child's getting that bottle, right? And if that's not something you want to do and you can directly feed at the breast, then you're going to choose to do that, right? You get to choose. You are empowered through this process. So it's it's never wrong to meet your child's needs through breastfeeding. Like that's never bad wrong. There's never a time where it's like, okay, they're too old for that now. But it doesn't happen. So this really views the breastfeeding relationship as a conversation. So each behavior that your child offers is communication about their needs and you are able to lovingly respond to it. So you don't have to wait until your newborn is screaming to offer a feed, right? Because you're recognizing those early cues. Really just like responding to anyone else you love who is communicating with you. <laughs> Right. And you're responded, or you are empowered in this dynamic as well. You get to choose. You aren't being demanded of. You are intentionally choosing a response to your child's communication. So that doesn't mean that you're forcing your desires on them or saying that you know best, right? You're not taking over and making them become passive. You are able to trust their communication, trust what they are offering you, know that there's wisdom 
in their behaviors, wisdom in if they're old enough to ask, they're asking. And you get to see the big picture and understand your needs too. And then you take your wisdom and their wisdom and come up with a plan together. A lot of it is, it's a more problem solving. And you can even think of this in the terms of like on-demand streaming, right? I've used that analogy a few times, but imagine if you sat down to watch TV, but the TV was wise and like in an equal relationship with you, right? So you can think about this as if you were the child, of course, in this in this uh, situation. And the TV <laughs> knows the day that you've had. And it can read the subtle cues in your body language. And it knows this bigger context, perhaps, of, of the week you've had and, you know, what what the weather's like outside and, and all that kind of stuff, too. And perhaps the TV has needs and the TV is considering those things as well, right? And so you sit down, you go to press the button. That's your behavior. You can consider that as if the child is now asking for breast milk. But then the TV gets to understand what's happening and says, maybe actually let's go take a walk instead, or I'm going to cook you a home-cooked meal. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't watch the TV, right? I know this analogy can get weird, but <laughs> it's such a different relationship, right? If the TV is responding to your cues and the TV has an active role in this dynamic, it's no longer just passively sitting there waiting for you to press a button. And I think that that's the transition that we need to make in our mindset around feeding our kids from day one all the way through to the end of the relationship, whenever that is. When you are empowered and your child's empowered and you can value your needs and their needs, then you are empowered to, to choose a response to that communication. So when should you stop on-demand breastfeeding? I would say right now. <laughs> stop on-demand breastfeeding right now. Transition to responsive feeding. And this takes some work because you need to now um, be in tune with your needs and understand your needs. You need to be able to recognize what other things are there for your child and see that bigger picture. And sometimes that is hard right? Uh, so I'm, I'm not saying it's easy, but that would be the support that I would offer you today if you are wrestling with whether or not I should stop breastfeeding on demand. Change your mindset, look at it as responsive feeding, and see where that takes you. If you loved this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes in the future. Also, check out my breastfeeding toddler communication guide and cheat sheet to learn how to say no to the feed while still saying yes to the need at www.ownyourparentingstory.com forward slash guide. And that concludes another episode of Start to Stop Toddler Breastfeeding. The theme song is Little Balloon by Jenny and Tyler. And it has been a pleasure to share this time with you. I'll catch you in the next episode.